You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. We've been looking uh, at the post-Pentecostal experience, uh, the post-Pentecostal people. Everybody likes to talk post-modern, post-this, post-that, so I thought, well, let's look at post-Pentecost since it's happened. And uh, it's really interesting. When you think of Pentecost, I was trying to communicate last week when we looked at Peter's first sermon on the day of Pentecost, and the result was 3,000 believers came into the kingdom that day. And as, as we looked at that, I, I was just amazed that the anointing, that the pouring out, the anointing is always that of the Holy Spirit. Which I find interesting when, when we look at how the enemy is attacking, and especially in the scriptures when it talks about kind of what's happening in these days, that there is a spirit of antichrist. They don't say a spirit of anti-Jesus. It doesn't say a spirit of anti-God. It's not a spirit of anti-whatever. Holy, it's a spirit of anti-Christ. Now, usually when I read the spirit of anti-Christ, I'm thinking of something that is against Jesus, and that would be correct. But Christ means the anointed one. And so the spirit that is moving in the world that is really coming against Christianity, that's coming against us as believers, is the spirit that is against the anointing. It's a spirit that is against the Holy Spirit. And it's really interesting that even Jesus, when he was on, on earth, he, he taught us and he said that anyone who speaks against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But whoever speaks a word against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven in this age nor the next. And it's like, whoa. Jesus knew how important the anointing, the anointing, the, the anointed one, the Holy Spirit, he was the anointed one. At his baptism, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And as he went into the wilderness and for 40 days was tempted of the evil one, in, in Luke it says in chapter four, he comes out and he comes out in the power of the Spirit. There is an anointing that takes place. And as a result of that anointing, <laughs> fear is dealt with. Fear is dealt with. So let's look at our text today. We're going to continue in Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. I did it again. Can you believe that? Every week... It's right here in bold print. Start the recording. Okay. I, I can do that introduction better, I think, the second time. No. Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily 
those who were being saved. Now the Passion Translation. It's only, only five verses, so you, I've cut it down. Proud of myself today. Every, every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body, and they shared with one another, one another what they had, whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those among them who were in need. Daily they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes, <clears throat> in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the anointing that's upon it. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here and that you are the spirit of truth. And we invite you to breathe upon these words today. Fill us with your love. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand. I come against anything that would in any way try to uh, restrict, hinder, be an obstacle in the hearts, minds, ears, and eyes of your children. I pray, Lord, that we would have to the ability to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Here's some basic realities in these five verses for post-Pentecostal people. First of all, they were devoted. They were a devoted people. Who are these people? They just heard Peter's sermon. They came, <laughs> 3,000 believed. So we got the 120 that was in the upper room. Now we've got 3,000 that believed. And so if, you, if you're keeping track, that make 3,120 <laughs> believers. Uh, and what did they do? They were devoted. This was a supernatural occurrence. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Wow. The apostles were testifying of what they'd seen and heard. They're testifying to the death, the life, the resurrection of Jesus, and all the things that he taught them for the 40 days between the time he was rose, risen from the grave until he ascended into heaven. And so we have that, that the apostles are teaching. They're teaching the kingdom of God, because that's what Jesus taught. He taught about the kingdom. They were devoted. Devoted means to, to have a passionate connection to. They were passionately connected to one another and to God. And there was a devotion to the teachings. They were also devoted to the fellowship. Their hearts were mutually linked. I love the way the passion puts that. That there was a linkage from heart to heart. And they got together, not just because they were a holy club, they got together 
because the Holy Spirit was drawing them together to worship Jesus, to know Jesus, to encourage one another. <laughs> they were devoted to the breaking of bread, the sharing of communion. The body and the blood of Jesus has always been a perpetual remembrance in this wonderful sacrament that we celebrated today. And so they were devoted to the breaking of bread. They came together to celebrate the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. I don't know how often you take communion, but whenever you take communion, it's like you, you remember Jesus in all his wonderfulness as a human being when he walked upon the, on the planet, the things that he said, the things that he taught, the life that he lived, the issues that he confronted, the death that he died, the horrible death that he died, the glorious resurrection, the confusion in those early days because no one ever heard of someone being raised from the dead and then it being settled in the hearts of his disciples as he was sharing and revealing to him, to them all the things that was in his heart before he ascended to the Father. And now he's the ascended one. Isn't that a wonderful thing about communion? But it doesn't stop there. Communion is always an anticipation of his return. There is always a view when we celebrate the body and the blood, the work of Jesus, the sacrifice, everything that he's done, it's tied in to his second coming, his return as the triumphant king. And so when, when you're celebrating every day, the life, the ministry, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, and the soon return of the Lord, what does that do? That gives you focus. That doesn't give the enemy time to mess with you about having a bad hair day. It, it doesn't give him, you know, the opportunity to, to get your focus off of Jesus and onto your issues. You know, as we focus on Jesus, he has an incredible way of resolving our issues when we look to him. And uh, it's amazing how that happens. I, uh, I'm still experiencing that, and, and I love it how he's doing that. And they devoted themselves to prayer. When you, when you read the scripture, when you read the book of Acts, you see that they had some pretty amazing prayer meetings. The one starting off on the day of Pentecost was an amazing prayer meeting when the, when the wind of heaven came and the tongues of fire fell and all the phenomena of the presence of the anointed one arrived in the room. But then shortly thereafter, <laughs> you're gonna see that they're in another meeting in a home and they're having prayer. And it says, when they prayed, the place where they were shook. There was a shaking that was so manifest in the anointed prayer that they had. They were devoted to all these things. The basic reality of a post-Pentecostal people is first of all that they're a devoted people. They're a devoted people to God, to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they're devoted to one another. Second, they are a people who are filled with holy awe. Wow. Holy awe, the wonder of his goodness, the wonder of his presence. When you come into the presence and the anointing and you walk into the very manifest presence of the Lord, we have a responsibility to steward that. 
It's like in the Old Testament. The Lord is the one that struck the fire and brought fire to the altar. But it was the priest's responsibility to keep the fire going. God provided the fire. But the priests are the ones that attended to the fire and made sure that it never went out. And it's, it's like that at Pentecost. The, the fire of the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we have a responsibility then to steward it. And as we look at the book of Acts, we see how they did that. They did it. They were filled with wonder and awe. It's like when you fall in love with Jesus, when you see Jesus as he truly is, you're smitten, you're twitterpated, you are undone. When you see him in all his glory and all his beauty, there's nothing like him. Everything that the world has to offer is nothing compared to the wonderful, wonderful beauty of the Lord Jesus himself. And as the, the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes upon us, what does it do? Jesus told us in John that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, will take everything that is Jesus and make it known to us. Well, what belongs to Jesus? He tells us everything that belongs to the Father has been given to the Son. He says, everything that my Father had has been given to me. And now, through the Holy Spirit, I'm making it known to you. I feel him right now. It's, it's just like, can you believe that? The total fullness of God that Jesus manifested in the flesh that now the Holy Spirit has brought to the church and to the disciples and we are to know the same fullness as Jesus walked on planet earth fill me up <laughs> sign me up let's, let's continue to, to, to immerse ourselves in that yet we have a responsibility so many times in the church we think that the Holy Spirit experience is a one-time event. And so when we have our moment of being filled with the Spirit, we, we date it like our, our, our conversion and, and we document it. And it's almost like we're in the scouts and we've got our Holy Spirit badge. This encounter is not about achievement. It's about relationship. It's about knowing a person, the person of the Holy Spirit. Because as we know him, guess what? We know Jesus. He is the one that is here to glorify Jesus like no other. He will glorify Jesus to us and in us and through us to a lost and dying world. He loves us that much. He wants us to know everything that, that belongs to the Father that has been transferred to the Son the Son has committed to the Holy Spirit and given him the privilege and honor of revealing it to us. So what do we do? We steward the presence of the Holy Spirit. We have a personal responsibility to attend to that fire. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get sideways and, and, and my focus gets in another direction and all of a sudden I feel the depletion of what I knew the day before. The moment that the Holy Spirit was fully operational in my life, there is a fullness in me that it doesn't matter what my circumstances are. I have the indwelling, abiding presence of the anointed one living in me. 
And there's nothing, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's nothing that is too, too much. But oh, as soon as I'm out of the anointing, huh, everything's too much. Everything is, is too much for me. And so it's, it, it's our job, it's our privilege, it's our position to steward the things that God has given to us. And he has given us his love, poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom he has given to us. You have a gift. And it's not just one of the gifts of the Spirit. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when you get the gift of the Holy Spirit, all the gifts come into play. You may find that one or two of them you may have a little more proficiency with, but they're all in play. It's kind of like my golf bag. Every club that's in my bag, I can use. You don't use this, all the clubs at once. There's situations that you draw upon a certain club based on where you are and what the situation calls for. I know the ladies are just being blessed right now. Do you feel the anointing on that, that analogy? Oh, yes. It's just like that with the Holy Spirit. When you have the gift of the Holy Spirit and you steward the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you have access to everything that God is and has as his sons and daughters. It's all available to us. Do we all experience it? Right now, no. Some of this stuff we got to grow into. And that's okay. Don't despise yourself when you see someone appropriating more of that gift than what you're appropriating. Instead of using that as a way that the enemy would try to twist it to make you feel like you're not as significant or you're disqualified or you don't matter, you're not as important to God, he doesn't love you enough. That's all nonsense. It's just where you are in your path of journey development in the things of the kingdom. And just use others to inspire you. I love when I'm around people that are so much further than I am in the Lord. It inspires me. It lets me know what is yet to come. And so I, I get excited about that. And I realize the Father, he has no favorites. He loves us all the same. And so when I see what someone else is walking in, I say, Lord, I hope someday that's something that I experience as well. I want to walk in the fullness of everything that you have for me. I don't want to miss anything. And that's, I think that's supposed to be at the heart of our prayer. And that's the holy awe of being devoted to the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. They were many miraculous signs and wonders. Like I say, read the rest of the book. It's amazing. Everything Jesus did, they did. We find the very things that Jesus did, the disciples did. It all comes into play. The words that Jesus said that even greater things than these you will do for those that believe in my name. Wow. It's a reality. The, the other thing that's just kind of like holy awesome is that all the believers were together. They were one body. 
I think a lot of times I just gloss over that and I don't realize the miracle of oneness when you have so many different people coming from so many different perspectives, coming from so many different generational stuff coming together and yet they're, they're together and they're one. There's a unity. I, I, I thought, man, let's, when you think of unity, you almost always got to go to Psalm 133 which is right here, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Ah, this is David's psalm. It's like precious oil on the head running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. What happens where there's unity? For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. One translation says, For there the Lord commands his blessing and life forevermore. It's kind of like, what happens? Why is it that the enemy is so good at getting us cross with one another? Because he knows that as our hearts are one with the Lord, and then our hearts become one with with another, that there, is, that there is something that is almost nuclear that's taking place as far as its power being released on planet Earth. He hates, he hates unity. Jesus on his high priestly prayer in John 17 says, I pray that they may be one as we are one. And there's an invitation to every believer to come into the community of oneness of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to come in together as one. And as we come into one, we are now becoming a force in the kingdom upon the earth. But what about the Baptist? Becoming united as one. It's not when all the vineyards get together and come into agreement, we will be powerful. It's not when all the Baptists, it's when all of the church, every expression of the church, we have a responsibility to steward the oneness of this local fellowship. But beyond that, we have to steward the fellowship in our region of loving our brothers and sisters, part of all these wonderful churches around here. I have a special place in my heart for the Methodist. They're the ones that kicked me out of the church. But they're also the ones that brought the gospel to me. They brought the fulfilling of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit into my life. Then I got a little too full and they had to do something about that. But real life, Park Chapel, Brandywine, there are so many brothers that I fellowship with as part of the Greenfield Ministerial Association. Wonderful, wonderful brothers. We've got so many wonderful brothers and sisters throughout this area who love the Lord and love him passionately. And the enemy has to try to keep division and separation. Let's not let our doctrinal distinctives be the thing that the enemy is able to use to cause us to have a sense of distance but let our love for Jesus be the very force that causes us to move closer and closer and closer to one another. For this revival is gonna be way bigger than this little church. It's gonna be way bigger than just our little region. It's gonna be way bigger than our state. 
It's going to be bigger than our country. It's going to be bigger than our hemisphere. It's going to be global. It's going to be global. They were together. They were one body. Mm. They shared everything in common. They shared whatever they had. That there was a sharing. That there, there was a, a sense of, of connection. And you know, you know what happens in family. There's, there's always something with family that you want to help the family member that's in need. You want to do for them. And it's like, this is interesting. As the Holy Spirit is being poured out and 3,000 comes together, and there's probably so many different economical uh, status and classes involved in that 3,000 that come to the Lord, and yet there was a real sense that they gave to each other that there was a sharing of resources. And when they found that they had shared and what they shared was not adequate, that there was still a need, they went to the next step. There's a generosity where they sold their assets. They sold their goods. They sold their possessions. And they gave to the ones among them who were in need. Wow. You think that had an impact on 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 the world around them? Man. And then it goes into the every days, the holy awe of every day. What happens in the holy awe of every day? (laughs) Well, they met together in the temple courts. That was a place of prayer. They would go to the temple courts. They would meet. But it was something that was more than just a prayer meeting. When you go to the temple courts, I think you're on a treasure hunt. <laughs> I, think, I think when they went to the, the, the temple courts, they were wondering what the Holy Spirit was going to do today in the temple courts. It was a place to touch people that were broken. In chapter 3, as they're on their way to the place of prayer in the temple court, a lame man gets healed who had been lame from life. And they're just going on. He's wanting silver and gold. They don't have silver and gold, but what they have, they give. Oh, we've got the authority over sickness and death. We've got the authority over disease. And so they just release it. They just release it. So good. Gigi had to get some cards from General Dollar, Dollar General. And so... On the way to the beauty shop, we stopped by the Dollar General so that she could go in and get her, her cards. I went in, got Marcus's birthday card. And as I came out, I was ahead of her because I think Ada Margaret's got to read every card in the, in the store. No, no, she, she was on quick assignment. She was, she was moving quite quickly for her. And as I came out, here comes a lady out of her car. And she's in need. I mean, she's, man, I could feel the heart of Jesus just go out for her. It was just like, once again, remember what we said last week? It's not having enough faith. It's, it's about having enough love. And I could just feel his love. And as soon as I felt his love, I knew I was going to have an opportunity to pray for her. So I went up and I said, what happened to you? And she told me what had happened. And, and on top of that, she was undergoing chemo. And you know how much I hate cancer. So I'll just let me know somebody's taking chemo, man. We're going to go to war. 
So she was so receptive, so loving, and we prayed. And we prayed together, and she thanked me. She went in. Gigi came out, and we went to the beauty shop. That's like going to the temple court, folks. Whether the temple court for you is Meyer, Walmart, Aldi's, Kroger, wherever you're going, it's the court of the Lord. And as love begins to, to, to beat in your heart, and all of a sudden you have the awareness, the love of the Lord is here. I wonder what he wants to do. Lord, what do you want to do? And follow, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. They met together every day in the temple courts, but it wasn't just in the public place. Then they came home and they met in their homes. They broke bread together. They shared communion. They not only had communion, they also had a love feast. They had a meal. They had a meal together. And so as they're there, they ate together. And it says they ate in such a way that their hearts were glad and sincere. Their hearts were joyful and there was a humility about the meal that they shared together, being together. When you're aware that the presence of the Lord is with you and you're with others and you're sharing life together, there is a humility. Sometimes I just pinch myself and I, I'm thinking, who am I that the Lord would choose to come and show up right now with my friends as we're eating? <laughs> it humbles us. It just causes us to say, Lord, you are so good. You're so good to me. You honor me with your presence. And as I share this meal with my friends, <laughs> I just want to know my heart is full of joy. It is so good to be with brothers and sisters and living life in the kingdom together. So what happens? They're continually filled with praises to God. It's amazing how many things when you really become spiritually aware that you can use to praise the Lord. You can use to praise the Lord. I don't know if anybody here has a spouse that sometimes is difficult for you to live with. But if you do, focus on that and let it become a source of praise. Let it become a source of praise. Lord, you made my spouse with some really unique, idiocentric, eccentric things that I don't even know how to process. But I praise you that you made my spouse the way you made my spouse. Now show me how to love, show me how to live, show me how to bless my spouse. Just think. The other day I was doing an exercise and I just put Debbie at the top and I just started listening to everything that I, I wanted to thank and praise the Lord about my wife. And I just went down, 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 down. It's amazing how many things there were. And I wasn't even exhaustive. I was just trying to do a quick overview. And as I did that in my prayer time and I started praising the Lord and giving him thanks for her, you know what? I had one of the most powerful encounters with the presence of the Lord I've ever had. Take your things that are closest to you and let them become the places where praise begins and watch praise expand. Watch the praise of the Lord because his presence. In Psalm 22, you know, the King James says, he inhabits the praises of his people. And so there's a sense that as we're praising, 
that he is inhabiting. He's manifesting. He's coming to set up shop. He, he, he's dwelling in our praises. And then I think of the, of the scripture that says, it's the spirit that creates praise on the lips of men. And I thought, oh, Holy Spirit's right back in the picture again. I need the Holy Spirit. And this morning I was just saying, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you just create some beautiful praise on my lips for Jesus? Because I want to express some things to him in, in ways that's not just the way I always do it. You know, there's, there's, there's wonderful things about saying hallelujah, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus. All those wonderful expressions that just mean something to our heart, but they can also become kind of rote phrases that we just say. And a lot of times I'm just saying, Lord, I, I want something unique. I want, I want an expression that's fresh to let him know how, how much I want to praise him. So Holy Spirit, come and create something beautiful on my lips to praise the Lord with. Try that out. See how that happens. If you don't have a prayer language, you may have one before you're done. It's, it's amazing what he'll do as we yield the members of our body to him. Continually filled with praises to God. It's a key. It's an absolute key to really knowing and sustaining the full anointing of the Holy Spirit. And they enjoyed the favor of all the people. Almost any time that you're authentically releasing an expression of the presence of God and the Holy Spirit you don't have to worry about the world being offended by it. The demonic will be offended by it, but, but human beings aren't going to be offended by it. The demonic who ha may inhabit some human beings may have a manifestation that's anti-enjoying you, but the one that's hungry, the one that's never heard, will never be put off by it. They will be drawn by it. A lot of times when I'm being religious, I notice that that has a way of putting off people. If I, if I, if I get my religiousness going, you know, that doesn't work very well in public. But when I get my love for the Lord and the authentic anointing of the Holy Spirit, that really is absolutely desired by the world. They want to see that. They want to experience that. They want to come in connection and have relationship with that. So let's not get religious in the negative sense, but let's get spirit-filled in the most dynamic, anointed sense of the Holy Spirit. And lastly, the Lord kept adding to their number those who were being saved. And the word there for saved is sozo. It's, it's, uh, it means they were becoming whole. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, they were becoming whole. You can come and, in a moment and come into spiritual health through forgiveness of your sins. In a moment, when you say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, come into my life, boom. You can have a level, uh, the initiation of a fresh relationship with the Lord and having that, and that's a good start for your spiritual life. But there's relational, huh, there's emotional, there's other aspects 
of salvation that this word represents. It's the whole being of a human being. And that was being added unto daily. And that because we come together and there's unity and there's love and there's sharing and there's nurture and there's fellowship, there's kononia, there's that kind of connectedness that's passionate because of our passion for the Lord and it's passion for one another. And out of that, salvation comes. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Hmm. That means what started continued to develop within the community of faith in the fellowship of the true body of Jesus is where we come to wholeness. Healing hardly ever happens in isolation. Healing is always happening in community. Oh, let us be one of God's healing communities. This morning I was just wondering, I, I, I felt all, all morning that the Lord was wanting to pour out a fresh anointing upon all flesh, the, kind of a, a little Pentecostal repri, reprise of, of Joel the, where, where we're going back and musically we're going to go back to the first verse and sing the chorus, you know, and uh, going back and, and experience that. I, I felt like there's a refreshing for every one of us. But for some, I felt like there's, they may have never experienced this. They've got enough understanding about the, the gospel, about Jesus being God and dying on the cross and forgiving their sins and on the third day being resurrected and, and uh, maybe ascending the right hand of the Father. But the reality of the Christian life that is manifested in the anointed one living in us the Holy Spirit being gifted to us. And so I, I was thinking, we might need to wrap up the Holy Spirit and re-gift for some people, some special gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit. There was that time in, in Acts where they came to a, a group of people who had received John's baptism and were baptized, but they hadn't heard of the Holy Spirit yet. Well, you may have heard about the Holy Spirit, but you may not have experienced the Holy Spirit. And I think today would be a great day, a great day to experience and have that initial encounter with the Holy Spirit. If you've had that, today would be a great day to further get filled with the fullness of God, the fresh anointings that are there for you. You may have some upgrades in your, in your file that you need to, to click on today and say, Lord, update, update, update. My anointings, my giftings, and my wonderful relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because the more we get of him, the more we're able to connect with him. The more oneness we will experience with him. Don't be upset if you don't have the oneness of another one. Use that as inspiration, not rejection. Don't let the enemy take that. What he's done and the price that some people have paid, they paid a huge price to be where they are. They are there for our inspiration. Let's pursue the fullness of the Spirit of God.
Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.